the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Russia rejoins the wheat agreement with Ukraine. Sending grain that is needed to places, as you have just pointed out, uh, is of paramount importance for everyone. Biden's primetime speech invites criticism due to framing Republicans as a threat to democracy. The speech came together at the last second. Looks like a Hail Mary to me. The Federal Reserve raises rates again. Historically, it takes about a year until we see real impact on inflation. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast, your first look at today's top stories for Thursday, November 3rd. I'm Mike Scott. On Wednesday, reports surfaced that suggest U.S. intelligence has learned that senior Russian military leaders recently discussed when and how Moscow may use a tactical nuclear weapon in Ukraine. The report citing many anonymous officials stated Vladimir Putin was not part of the conversations. However, the fact that nuclear weapons were even being discussed at all may show that Moscow's threats may not have all been bluster. U.S. intelligence has found Vladimir Putin's threats to use nuclear weapons may be more than just bravado. The New York Times is reporting officials in Washington have listened to senior Russian military leaders discussing how and when Moscow might use a nuclear weapon in Ukraine. Putin was reportedly not part of the talks. There's no evidence the Kremlin is moving weapons into place or taking other tactical measures to prepare for a strike. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby says the U.S. intel has not seen any indication that Russia is making such preparations to use nuclear weapons. This news comes as Russia announced it was rejoining the agreement to guarantee safe passage for ships carrying grain and exports from Ukraine. The move easing some concerns of a global food shortage which were raised last week when Russia suspended participation in that deal. Ibrahim Kalin, the Turkish presidential spokesperson, said that efforts made by Turkey to get Russia to rejoin the agreement benefit everyone. Yes, we're very happy that Russia is back in the uh, process. Uh, Again, they suspended uh, their part of the agreement uh, on Saturday after an attack on uh, one of their uh, ships uh, in the Sevastopol area. Uh, they complained, they protested, they wrote letters to the UN, uh, and we spoke to them immediately. We contacted them because this is very important. This is separate from the war. Of course, everything is related to the war, but uh, you know, sending the grain that is needed to places, as you have just pointed out, uh, is of paramount importance for everyone. So for the last three, four days, we have exerted a lot of diplomatic efforts. Our defense minister, foreign minister, and eventually our, our president spoke to President Putin yesterday. When they spoke, uh, President Putin rather rightly, uh, raise, uh, you know, some questions uh, about this attack, you know, why it was done. Kellen explains why Russia suspended their participation in that agreement. 
and in their assessment, uh, they uh, uh, the attackers use uh, the the corridor for grain exports to carry out this attack. And uh, putting that aside, uh, they uh, wrote formally to the UN. And but in the meantime, uh, we've talked to the Ukrainians uh, and uh, conveyed the demands or expectations of the Russian side to the Ukrainians. And to give them credit, actually, both sides uh, uh, took a very constructive approach after seeing that, uh, you know, suspending this agreement will be uh, in everybody's uh, uh, um, loss uh, or, yeah. uh, you know, it will cost them uh, dearly. And as a result, uh, they they come back to the agreement. And uh, after the call uh, with President Putin and uh, and President Erdogan, uh, now we have everything back on track. Callan goes on to say that if the international community would ease sanctions on Russian grain and fertilizer, it may help international markets. There is no formal embargo on Russian exports, uh, but mm. um, shipping companies, insurance companies, and other logistical companies, they are afraid of secondary sanctions. So they're kind of staying away from right. doing any business uh, with the Russians. We, as the international community, in fact, we have to do something about this. We've been telling our European friends, colleagues in Europe and the United States, uh, also, mm. if you want the grain to continue and get the Russian grain and fertilizers, including ammoniac, go out uh, you know, to the international markets, uh, they have to be given some insur- assurances. That It doesn't mean that yeah. we agree to Russia's war plans or, or, or the, you know, the purpose or goal of this war in any way. But as far as the grain deal is concerned, in order to protect it, uh, I think they, they, they will have to be given some assurances, those companies and others, so that uh, not only Ukrainian but also Russian uh, exports can go out so that you know, international yeah. markets uh, will mean where they are. A partial election on Wednesday in Israel shows that Benjamin Netanyahu's political career may be back from the dead. The election results had the Likud party leaders bloc win a majority of 65 seats in the Knesset, which has 120 seats. A former Israeli ambassador to the U.S., Dr. Michael Oren, joined the Salem Radio Network and said a major victory by the former Prime Minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, proves it's never wise to consider his political career over. He's always going to come back, and now he has come back in great force uh, with apparently a 65-seat majority. It's a very solid government, Uh, and that's just with his immediate bloc. He could add on uh, additional members, and I think he's going to try to. Oren says he expects newly elected Prime Minister Netanyahu to seek more liberal members to join his coalition government. Bibi will always seek to be neither the leftmost nor the rightmost person in his own coalition. He wants to sit dead in the middle. And right now, he is pretty much the leftmost in his coalition. He's going to try to bring on some people there who are closer to the center. On Wednesday, President Biden delivered a primetime speech warning that if Americans want to preserve their right to vote, they have to vote for Democrats in the midterm elections. Biden says there are scores of people running in the upcoming elections that have already said they won't accept the outcome if they don't win. I wish I wish I could say the assault on a democracy ended that day, but I cannot. As I stand here today. There are candidates running for every level of office in America, for governor, Congress, attorney general, secretary of state, who won't commit. They will not commit to accepting the results of elections that they're running in. 
The president says that promoting what he calls the big lie about the 2020 election results has led to voter intimidation. By a president repeating over and over again the big lie that the election of 2020 had been stolen. It's a lie that fueled the dangerous rise in political violence and voter intimidation. The president says you can support the outcome of an election only if you win. This is a path to chaos in America. It's unprecedented. It's unlawful. And it's un-American. I've said before, you can't love your country only when you win. Biden went on to paint with a very broad brush, saying that the ultra-MAGA movement, his words, is threatening our electoral system. The extreme MAGA element of the Republican Party, which is a minority of that party, as I said earlier, but is this driving force, is trying to succeed where they failed in 2020, to suppress the right of voters and subvert the electoral system itself. Biden gave his opinion that what he termed the ultra-MAGA movement is corrosive. We can't ignore the impact this is having on our country. It's damaging, it's corrosive, and it's destructive. And I want to be very clear, this is not about me. It's about all of us. It's about what makes America, America. Many critics of that speech felt that the president set the wrong tone. Jesse Waters of Fox News says Republicans voting for Republicans aren't a threat to democracy. The core message of the speech, Republicans are a threat to democracy. I don't know how Americans voting for Republicans could be a threat to democracy since we're voting for them. And it's not like they're going to get into office and lock their doors and refuse to leave. So maybe Joe Biden will explain what he means by this, but I doubt it. Waters believes that in light of polling showing Republicans poised to take Congress, the speech was quite literally a Hail Mary. The speech came together at the last second. Looks like a Hail Mary to me. This would be the, I don't know, 15th, 16th different midterm message for Joe. Nothing's sticking. So they're going with January 6th. You think the president would close hard with a powerful message about the economy, but you'd be wrong. He's going with Republicans are going to start a civil war. A prominent election watching website now projects Republicans will regain control of the Senate after next week's election. Daybreak Insider's Bob Agnew is taking a look at a new set of political numbers. The nonpartisan election handicapper 538 now predicts Republicans will win enough seats to retake the Senate. It's the first time the site's primary Senate forecast model favors Republicans since July. Democrats had gained a bump in momentum over the issue of abortion after the high court struck down Roe v. Wade in June. Since then, voter concerns have shifted heavily toward Biden administration and Democrat policies they blame for high inflation, a border crisis, and surging crime. Bob Agnew reporting. Earlier this week, a group of Venezuelan migrants illegally crossing the border allegedly tried to assault border agents who then turned and fired pepper bullets. The incident caused some to condemn the methods used by the agents as, quote, inhumane, end quote. However, now Border Patrol union members are firing back at critics, saying they were using common crowd control methods. The altercation has some feeling a bit of deja vu 
Back to last year when Border Patrol agents came under fire for reports of whipping Haitian migrants. The reports were later proven false. Leland Vinnert of News Nation points out that over the last month, when polling suggests that voters care about a secure border, the Biden administration has quietly re-implemented some Trump-era policies. Immigration shot up to a top issue in this year's election. Now, 63% of Americans say it's extremely or very important an issue. And Republicans win that issue by seven points. That's huge. So let's review the facts. Less than a month before the election, the Biden administration changes border rules to Trump-era policies. And a week before the election, video unlike anything we have seen for two years at the border suddenly appears. To be fair, these were Venezuelans on the Mexico side of the border protesting the Remain in Mexico policy. They stormed across the border and allegedly attacked the Border Patrol, hence the pepper balls. But the facts remain the same. It's okay for the Border Patrol to shoot illegal immigrants these days. It's certainly not like the whipping incident at Del Rio last year. There's no suspension of the agents or presidential statements. In fact, Customs and Border Patrol put out a statement defending their agents. We are in the business here of asking questions. So here is mine. Does anybody, anybody believe this is a coincidence? Chris Cabrera, vice president of the National Border Patrol Council, says that Asians feel like the rules are changing every day. It seems that the, the rules, the uh, at least uh, the public rules, change on a daily basis to, uh, to, to placate what's going on with the election. Um, I can tell you firsthand, though, when, when our agents are assaulted, uh, they will uh, they will defend themselves. And, and not a, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find one single agent who really cares what, what Mallorca says. Nobody respects that guy anyway. So his opinion of us is, is just uh, nobody cares. Cabrera states that Border Patrol agents will continue to do their jobs, no matter what the political climate is. You know, I, I guess with them, it's a, it's a political thing. I can tell you, regardless of the political climate, our, our agents are going to respond the way they're trained, regardless of what's going on with uh, the Democrats and the Republicans. It's it's amazing, like you said, that that uh, the service isn't up in arms over this, but those agents did the right thing. They defended themselves. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, everybody walked away from it. On Wednesday, the Federal Reserve boosted rates again and warned that rates may go even higher in order to get inflation under control. Rates were raised three quarters of a percentage point, jumping the rate 3.75 percentage points in less than a year. Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell says policymakers are weighing how much it will take to restore price stability. There is significant uncertainty around that level of interest rates. Even so, we still have some ways to go. And incoming data since our last meeting suggests that the ultimate level of interest rates will be higher than previously expected. Powell says the central bank is again hiking the benchmark rate. The FOMC raised our policy interest rate by 75 basis points, and we continue to anticipate that ongoing increases will be appropriate. We are moving our policy stance purposefully to a level that will be sufficiently restrictive to return inflation to 2%. The Fed chair says the time is coming when it will be appropriate to slow the pace in interest rate increases. The question of, of when to moderate 
the pace of increases is now much less important than the question of how high to raise rates and how, how long to keep monetary policy restricted, which really will be our principal focus. Annual inflation in September was 6.2 percent. Consumer price index numbers show prices rising even faster at an annual rate of 8.2 percent. Dan Rocato, a finance professor at the University of San Diego, says it will be quite some time before we see the full effect of rate hikes on inflation and the economy. It's not like a light switch, right? We just flick it on and off. It's more like a rat going through a snake. Well, that wasn't very good. (laughs) But that's essentially what we have here. So there's always this lag, Nicole, between what the Fed does and how the economy reacts. The Fed's been at this now about eight months. Historically, it takes about a year until we see real impact on inflation. And listen, the chairman said today himself, we still have a way to go. However, Rocano has some good news in his opinion. He doesn't see a housing crash looming on the horizon. Um, the crash isn't coming for a lot of different reasons. The housing market clearly is broken right now. It is, you know, stuck in neutral. It's not really doing much, although prices are a little soft. But I don't see a housing crash to the extent we had in 2008, 2009, if for no other reason, because we still have a housing shortage in this country. Yes, prices will come down a bit. I predict another 5 or 10% nationally. But I don't see a housing crash. I think that's going to be the big difference between here and where we were in 2008. CVS and Walgreens announced opioid settlements totaling $10 billion. Details emerging this morning from Daybreak Insider Bernie Bennett. CVS Health and Walgreens Company announced agreements in principle to pay about $5 billion each to settle lawsuits nationwide over the toll of opioids. And the lawyer said Walmart is in discussions for a deal. Together, the developments amount to what could be the last round of huge settlements after years of litigation over the drug industry's role in an overdose epidemic that had been linked to more than half a million deaths in the U.S. over the past two decades. The deals call for most of the funds from Moonsocket, Rhode Island-based CVS and Deerfield, Illinois-based Walgreens to be used to fight the opioid crisis. Bernie Bennett reporting. Multiple rap artists are showing support for a recent petition that would ban the use of rap lyrics in court cases. Daybreak Insider's Tasha Stevens has more on why activists are pushing the ban. A petition has been circulating titled Art on Trial, Protect Black Art, and it includes signatures from big-name artists and major record labels, Warner, Sony, and Universal. The petition calls for prosecutors to refrain from using rap as evidence in trials and for lawmakers to craft legislation that limits its use against defendants. Tasha Stevens reporting. And finally, do you love football? Do you have a few billion dollars laying around? Well, if you do, you may be able to own a football team, an NFL franchise. Reports have surfaced that the NFL's Washington Commanders may be for sale. According to reports, the owners, Dan and Tanya Snyder, have hired Bank of America's securities to consider potential transactions. This sparked a flurry of speculation from sports fanatics, as such a move comes before the sale of a team, usually. ESPN's Adam Schefter explains the breaking news. Well, it's a very interesting development with all the people that have been all over Dan Snyder and that franchise with Jim Irsay calling for his ouster almost two weeks ago. And now they've hired Bank of America, which is his bank, by the way, to 
try to help sell the franchise. Now, as you mentioned, Molly, we don't know whether this is the entire franchise, whether it's a minority stake. I should point out that he's done this before for minority partners, and he may just want to lay down the debt he just took on. That's possible. But I also think just the optics of it are such that with all the people calling for his ouster, um, with all the people that are unhappy in the Washington area with him, that it would be unusual to announce this and not explore the sale of the franchise, especially when the prices of the franchises have exploded. The Denver Broncos sold last summer for $4.65 billion. Forbes has estimated the value of the Washington Commanders over $5.5 billion. And if you are looking at that much money, you have to wonder why would you want to stick around and endure all the criticism and all the scrutiny that he has. Schefter says that Snyder knows many NFL owners are anticipating his ouster from the league. Well, clearly there are owners in the league who do want him out. Mm-hmm. And he's obviously, uh, he has to be uh, aware of the fact that his presence is not welcome amongst his fellow 31 owners, uh, a good portion of them. Schefter also says that if Snyder does sell, someone will definitely buy the team. I don't believe that there would be a shortage of buyers if that's the route that you wanted to go. They're not going to have a hard time coming up with somebody to buy that franchise. And frankly, in an environment like this, the NFL would help facilitate it and want it to happen because of everything that's gone on with that franchise in recent seasons. The NFL club is worth an estimated $5.6 billion, according to Forbes, ranking sixth among the NFL's 32 teams. Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at daybreakinsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at srnnews.com and townhall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Mike Scott. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.